Get ready to laugh out loud with Wise and Nerdy, the show hosted by two hilarious dads who are bringing their unique blend of wit, wisdom, and nerdiness to the airwaves. From sharing hilarious anecdotes about their own experiences to giving advice on navigating the ups and downs of life, these two dads have got you covered. But that's not all. They're also obsessed with all things nerdy. From comic books and sci-fi movies to video and board games. So whether you're a fellow dad, a pop culture fanatic, or just in need of a good laugh, tune in to Wise and Nerdy and join in the fun. Hashtag such fun. Such fun. If you know that reference, you can be my friend. Because I, I love that show. I am the Rock Out of Podcasting, Charles McFall. That over there is Joseph underscore Ard. I do not know that reference. I'm sorry. That is more of a statement I of character. I also don't know the reference. Again, I stand on this more of a statement of character than a, than a fact, but that's okay. And we have our newest lady daddy in the house, Songheart. And yes, I am going to make it weird like that because it's fatherhood meets <laughs> fandom. But you know what? That doesn't mean we can't have the lady daddies too. We got lady daddies. I'm very much a lady daddy. There you go. <laughs> so thank you for being on Songheart. Uh, Kurt is off again this week. He's running around. And actually, we had such a good time with Bob. It's like, Kurt, you keep taking off, man. You're just leaving the window open for more awesome people to come in. And then you won't have anywhere to come back to. It's okay, though. I don't love you. I mean, I do love you. It's all right. It's, no. Uh, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt uh, uh, is going to be in and out. And, and uh, just he's got stuff going on. And it's quite all right. And that gives us a great chance to talk to new awesome people like Songheart herself. And, uh, you know, I have every tab open, Joe, except our show notes. Except the show but notes. I do believe it's the question of the week. All right. So the question of the week is what's the best relationship advice you've ever received? Keeping in yeah. mind, it's a PG 13 show. And Joe has dated like 50 <laughs> women. Well, okay. I Let me just say there's many types of relationships it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic relationships. True. You could have received excellent advice on any kind of relationship. That's right. Your wife listens to this show and she doesn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> <laughs> I love to give it to me. Relationship. All right. Okay. Uh, who, you saw her. Would you like to jump in? What's your best relationship advice? Um, I think the best relationship advice I ever got was if, Everyone is telling you to leave that you probably should <laughs> before you get stuck with 10 years of trauma. Yeah, that I sounds see pretty that. solid. That sounds like good relationship. Yeah. Advice. Where that did might the 10 years? This sounds like a very oddly specific reference. We've got about <laughs> oh, yeah. 10 years. Uh, yeah. yeah, it might be a little bit personal, but really. I don't know that anyone gave me that advice. It's just something that I realized is like when I met my ex, it, literally everyone told me it was not a good idea. I can't think of one person that was okay with it. And I just didn't listen, but I was also young and stupid. So, but when literally everyone, even the person's mother, is telling you to leave, <laughs> Ooh, you yeah. probably should. 
But what that also tells me is you've got great friends who aren't just gonna be like, oh, he's great when when he's not. Yeah, my friends are fantastic, but I was young and stupid. So. What about you, Joe? What was your best advice? Um, communication. Communication is key to any type of relationship, but especially a romantic one. Um, if if you don't tell somebody something, don't assume they're going to pick up on your body language or be able to read your mind. Um, and I, at least in my personal life, I found several instances where I've tried to let my tone speak for itself. And I've realized how petty that really is. Like I'm, I'm, I know that I'm in a petty mood when I'm, I'm being passive aggressive and I just need to communicate. And so, yeah, communication is, is key. Are you okay there, there, Charles? You're very confused. Well, I I tried to figure out where I rank on on this level of, of relationship because I don't, know that you've ever been petty with me and i'm kind of thinking now that maybe i i see i I look more into this relationship than you than you do because i'm not petty with you yeah because you know i I hadn't got to that part where you've been petty with me so therefore you didn't have to really communicate we communicate well usually usually we just say what we're thinking period you and i like we've always been that way we don't we don't have to question where we stand with each other. There's so many jokes in my head and it's all hard to pick up on a few of them. It's just a psychic joke. If you don't get it, don't get it. That's okay. Okay, um, handsome. All right, stop it. Um, <laughs> honestly, one of my best pieces of advice I got was from a reader's digest of all things. Uh when I was growing up, I would go see my grandmother and she had the subscription and and the articles sometimes were good, sometimes weren't, but I always flipped through to read the little anecdotes and the jokes and the little stories that, that were on the little bottoms of the pages and different things. And I just flipped through. And one of them was, uh, uh, it was like this, <laughs> like a counseling group or so. I just remember my childhood had picturing like an AA group, but it was for relationships and they're young couples and old couples. And, and that question was asked basically, uh, what do you do? You what's a good thing about your relationship? And this old couple, old lady stand up and said, well, well, you know, my wedding day, my mama said to write down the 10 things that, that you think you need to fix about him or the 10 things that he does that really, really bothers you. And like, oh, wow. Then, then you know, how'd that work out? She was, I don't know. I lost the list and that's been perfectly fine ever since. <laughs> so it was like the whole idea, cause the joke is okay. I mean, reader's digest was not great jokes, but the idea was, you write down the things that bother you. I mean, not literally, but you, Oh, but if you don't actually keep the list over time, it stops bothering you. And, and yes, of course, in relationships, you do have to communicate and you have to do, do, uh, um, work on things is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I mean, the, the biggest, the biggest piece of advice I could get or give was don't find the person you can live with, find the person you can live without, can't live without, you know, and that's 20, three years of marriage I just hit, you know? So there's that. Uh, there were road bumps. I, I, I was very, very much not trying to make a, a, a joke there. That was going to be bad. Joe, for crying Roll out loud. Roll that dice. Don't let me hang like this and get us in trouble. 
Oh, you know, as you roll, I do want to do a... Okay, okay, okay. So, Random Kid says, there's always the cliche, don't go to bed angry because she might stab you in your sleep. <laughs> uh, then they say, uh, always find moments to say something nice. Uh, say I love you every day. And, excuse me, it can, you can miss a day or two. And that actually makes it a little bit more special. But definitely, don't wait till Valentine's Day to do something nice. Don't wait for Christmas. My wife and I, the first year we were dating, that came up on Valentine's Day. Um, we did the standard what you're supposed to do thing and bought each other gifts that were okay. I mean, they were like great and forever memories or anything like that. And afterwards, we're like, well, this is kind of cool, but because we'd already been dating for a while, we'd already done little nice things for each other, you know. Uh, and we both decided then we're not going to do Valentine's Day because it was just. It didn't fit right. It didn't do right. And we found that if you do nice things throughout the year, right? When you see something nice, get them something nice. Uh, Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe says, I'm the only present my wife needs. Uh, it's about time you realize. So I hope she realizes what a catch that she has. And, and she just gets right with Jesus because of it. Um, but yeah, uh, you just did little things, you know, uh, favorite candies or, or flowers or just ran the randomness of it all throughout the year is much better than I hope I get this really cool thing. I've been wanting all year for a better remember me on Valentine's day. I mean, up and coming as, as the right guy of podcasting and building the podcast stuff that I do and all my media, there were two or three years that I was literally at a conference trying to build my brand on our anniversary. And I'm talking about awesome places like Vegas and she's at home with the kids, you know? So there was that, but it didn't hurt us or break us because we were in it together and we knew we'd celebrate our, um, our anniversary when I got back home. And, and for all those of you, well, you shouldn't go to Vegas because the kids were little and we didn't have anybody we trust that could watch them and that kind of thing. And we didn't really have the money to go for a vacation. We just, that's, yeah. Anyway, good Joe. You know, this uh, conversation made me think of something that um, Mary Robinette Cole said at Chattacon, um, which wasn't related to relationship advice at all, but I'm going to spin it that way. Um, she talked about different things in her life that were hiccups that she hated to do and how she would hire somebody to do it. Oh, yeah. Um, so marry so, somebody to do the jobs you don't want to do? <laughs> Well, I mean, you could go that way, but I was just thinking you can find stuff that you're, that, you know, your spouse hates to do, and you could go out of your way to do that as an expression of love showing, showing them. So, yep. And I know I, I thought we were running out of steam and then we picked up more steam. Thank you, random kid for steaming us up there. Uh, that didn't come out right at all. Um, <laughs> what did the dice bring us, Joe? <laughs> Well, before we go to the dice, we have some speak pipes to listen to. Oh, yeah, we do speak pipes before dice. You're right. <laughs> right <okay. laughs> Keeping it steamy since 1997. All right. Um, I've got the, uh, let's see if I can pull this one. because I've, this, It's taken forever to load, but I've already got the first one loaded up. So let me see. One of these is going to be Barry Folk. The other one is definitively not Barry Folk. So here we go. Listen to your segment on discipline. Uh, over the years, I've spoken with others my age, roughly. So I'm 55 uh, as of December. So oh, happy birthday! Who had the 
Hot Wheel race car tracks and uh, seriously popular in the late uh, 70s and 80s. And we, we, whoever had these, I'll say whoever, but many of the people who had these, these things, uh, you know, eventually got tore apart, laid around. But parents, many parents, I've apparently discovered, found that these were very effective as a disciplinary tool. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm, uh, yeah, really disliked them. Uh, so much that my brother and I would collect them and we would throw them away once we realized what was happening because we weren't playing with other pieces were missing. So, you know, when I go back to discipline, I can think of, you know, yeah, I got, uh, you know, I did my, I did, I deserve some of what I got, but not the Hot Wheel race car track. That was the devil's tool, man. No and, uh, yeah, made those go away as fast as possible. You know, as a kid, I wanted Hot Wheels and Hot Wheels race car tracks so bad, so bad. Wanted it all. And then I grew up, which I never had it. We were, we were poor. I thought I was deprived, all this stuff. But then I hear those stories like it was just told. And like, I did okay. I did okay. I never got beat <laughs> with a racetrack. So now here's the thing. You know, Joe, we've talked about how I have a theory that Barry Folk and Devo are the same person. One of these buttons was Devo, the other button's Barry. Let's see what we got. Hey, Charles and Joe, it's Barry. Hope you are doing well. Well, okay, he said his name. So that there goes that game. Thank you, Barry. All right. <laughs> hey, Charles and Joe, it's Barry. Hope you are doing well. I just wanted to send along a note about one of my dad experiences, which is the adoption of my daughter. Mm, you two yes. know okay. for others. 22 years ago, in 2001, we did an adoption, and we went to China to pick up our girl. She was 16 months at the time. Through a variety of reasons, uh, we couldn't conceive biologically, so we looked at different options. And ultimately, for us, adoption was the path that we were led down. It is an absolutely amazing experience that most people don't get the opportunity to experience, but I would like to say that it is something that obviously is life-changing in many ways to experience the process to meet these wonderful counselors that helped us to embrace a new culture into our family meet the people in this case of china who wholeheartedly opened their hearts and literally their homes to us as we had the opportunity to visit china several times um you know, it may be one thing politically, but the people of China are absolutely amazing and uh, will always be eternally grateful for what they have provided to making my family complete. So just wanted to share. As always, gents, take care. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barry. That was awesome. Um, I had asked him to maybe share some of that story, and, and it, it's a... Uh, I find adoption to be a wild experience and conceptually, right? You're putting parents who want to love a kid with a kid who needs parents. And I get that. 
Um, I've I've at least been so self worked at some point my wife was like, you know, I only want to have so many kids, but I could adopt. And after like the first kid, I was like, Yeah, can't do that. Because I will <laughs> I will damage because I was damaged. It's like I mean it's bad enough to have my own kids and I can work through the damage. It's like I, I'm self aware enough that most of the time, by the time you adopt, they're at least three or older because the process takes forever, even if it's a newborn. I mean, it, it, and, and then the kids who really need to help, right, are 10, 11, 12, up through 17, 18, you know, because at, at, everybody wants the new baby. And I was like, well, I know I have a lot of damage. I know that I'll go. And I think I sold myself short, too. But I, I've always admired people who could adopt because I just always thought that I, I can't because if I bring in somebody else with their own problems and their own history clashing with my own problems, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to do that to somebody, but what about you two? What have you all thought about adoption? Did, um, I don't know if you know this. My wife is adopted. No, her you're married. That's different. You do not own her. Joe. <laughs> that, that's not how it works. Uh, no, they're my, my wife and her brother are both adopted. They were both adopted. Um, bef- they were b- under the age of, of one when they were got adopted. And, uh, and yeah, it, it's worked out very nicely. Both of them have since found their, um, their birth parents their or as Kelsey calls them, her bio donors. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> Uh, this was a few years back. Kelsey and I got um, some of those ancestry DNA kits just because we didn't even think, oh, she's adopted. We might find her birth parents because she had she I think she had looked for him once before, like half heartedly, but not really since. And uh, yeah, when we got the test results back, it said uh, these people are close enough to be your parent. She was like, uh, Joe. <laughs> so she showed it to me. Um, she's talked to him a few times on, on Facebook and, um, she actually, so her, her bio donors her bio parents, they actually got married like about a year after she was born. And so biologically she has four full siblings, sisters. Um, and if, if I showed you a picture of them, you're like, uh, yeah, no, that's, they are definitely sisters. Um, and so I don't think she's had any contact with her biological siblings, but she's, she's talked to, to her bio parents a couple times on Facebook and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, they, they feel more like a relative that you talk to occasionally, rather than anything more substantial, like her parents are her parents, her and like, there's no, these are my adopted parents. No, these are my parents. And that's why, that's why she doesn't even like using the term biological parents. That's why she calls them bio donors. Cause they're not her parents. Not really. I get that. So yeah, I've heard yeah. a lot of good stories that way. Uh, what about you, Sonheart? Well, Personally, I really admire people that have it in them to adopt. I like the idea of adoption. Um, I myself was an only child, so I always wanted a lot of kids. But I don't do well 
now that I am a parent myself, I don't do well watching other people's kids. Most right. of them I get anxiety. If anything were to happen, I'm like, oh, no. Um, and just a lot of that comes from my ex and my ex's ex and stuff. But a lot of it also is I, I wish I was more mentally healthy enough to adopt kind of like what you were saying, Charles, like I have my own trauma and I don't want to inflict that on other people, <laughs> um, other on children. I inflict it on grownups all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and a lot of my trauma, I, I couldn't help when I had my kids. It was just what the circumstances were at the time. But if I could have done it differently, I would have waited to have my children until I was older. I love my kids to death and I would never change having them. But as far as like adoption goes, adoption's a big step. And kind of like what Joseph was saying for, I found because I've met people that are adopted and I've read a lot of stories about people that are adopted for the most part, people that are adopted are the, their parents are their parents, not their, their bio donors are not their parents. And so I think that's really an admirable thing for people to be able to know themselves well enough to open themselves up to become parents to other people. I love it. That's uh, you're, that's very well said. Uh, random kid says, uh, "Oh, uh, it went away. What happened?" Yeah, I popped it up. Thank oh, you. There you go. I hate how expensive adoption is. I wish good parents could adopt without needing to spend thousands of dollars. Yes, but also, that's how much it costs to raise a kid too. Just because yeah. you get to skip a few levels, man. That's 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 yeah. the season pass, right? They're just buying twenty more levels of the season pass to get that four year old for a thousand dollars. So expensive. Yeah. Well, yes, but and I I actually agree with Random Kid on this one. They're also saving the government money by adopting because they're not going to keep them in. They're not going to keep taking care of them. Past yeah, they should that. make it easier. I 100% agree. Um, now, there should definitely be a vetting process for the, the parental candidates. 100%. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, but yeah, it the, the barrier to adoption is so crazy high. There's a reason why you hear all these different adoption stories and it's getting kids from other countries. And... It's because the U.S. It's such a convoluted process, a convoluted and expensive process. Um, um, it's not just that it's a convoluted and expensive process. It's that there are unsavory people that will adopt children to be mm -hmm. mules and things like that for unsavory things. It makes me think of a and that, uh, I mean, that's not just conjecture. I actually knew someone that went through that. So, oh, yeah, yeah. It makes me think of a um, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. It takes two movie that where was a great movie. where she got adopted by the butt kisses. Yep. Yep. I don't think I know that one, but that's fun. <laughs> it was a fun movie. It was. It was a very fun movie. 
Mm-hmm. It was Parent Trap-esque. It was very Parent Trap-esque. So, but anyway. But what did the dice have for us? <laughs> A number, I think. <laughs> A number. Yes. Can you dig it? Uh, which is, what do you think about? Because we really still need to reform those. <laughs> I know, right? We've said that for months now. Uh, all right. This what? one came from you. It did. Uh, we talked about a little bit uh, in the Patreon last week. I was like, we should make that a thing. What do you guys think about tax returns as savings accounts? It's a great idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you're for it. You think it's. Oh, I'm totally for it. But I say this as someone who's broke and whose tax return is gone in like a week. So. Right, but that's how you stay broke. <laughs> and actually, you I know. Might, you might, I, don't, I can't. I can't infer how much you might get back, but it dawned on me one year where because there's a transition right from teenager to to married life or whatever or better jobs where you go from just barely scraping by on taxes and doing the one pager easy file crap to having to file file. And for a couple of years, I tried to tweak my taxes to where I didn't have to pay taxes because that was beat into me. It's like, oh, the worst thing that you could ever do is pay taxes. It's not. Um, but I always tweak There are them. worse things. There are way worse things. And so I I got to the point where I, I tweaked them and tweeted. I was working professionally as a paramedic and and finally found like a specialist that could file the taxes for paramedics and, and know how to claim all the deductions, everything. Cause a very, as far as taxes goes, a very niche industry. And I think that year I got back like $8,000. I went from paying stuff and getting like $400 back maybe at, at you know, H and R block or something to like this, this specialty person got me 8,000. My wife like, Joking around, oh my God, we're going to Disney World. Oh, and, and then they also could backfile for two more years, so we don't get another 2000 on top of that. And we're like, oh my God. Oh, and then, about, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, we're walking through the parking lot going, oh my God, this is amazing. And I went, that's money out of my pocket. I mean, I'm borrowing money this year from her dad to help pay some bills, and the government's holding on $8,000 that I could have used to pay bills. Well, and the worst yeah. part is, the government knows how much they owe us, and yet they have all this these convoluted forms that we have to do and to fill out because they're not going to turn around and be like, oh, we owe you more money. No, they're just going to be like, we're going to keep your money because you didn't ask for it back. Yep. And the IRS is a monopoly because there yeah. aren't any other companies that control your money like that. So therefore, it's a monopoly. Yeah. That's my personal opinion on that. I just wanted to get that out there. So random kid, random kids don't in uh, anything beyond minimum necessary for government cost is theft. Now here's why I hate the idea. Uh, oh, actually, Joe, I didn't get your answer. What's your answer? Uh, yeah, you. It, Too bad. It's time for me and some hard to talk. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was just funny. Yeah, what's your answer, Joe? Answer? <laughs> uh, so anything. Uh, well, ideally, your your best tax return is net zero. Right. That, that's what you should aim for um, realistically. And so you, if you got to bump up your like, if you fill out your W-2s normally, 
you're you're not going to be at net zero. You're probably going to get a couple thousand back, depending on how many kids you have. And so um, I actually bump up my number a little bit. I don't try to go for zero per se, even though I probably should, because I really don't want to owe anything. Um, but I, I do try to, to minimize it to a certain degree. And so I ha- I've I've bumped up my allowances uh, on my W-2 um, a bit more than what the form itself recommends. Um, that way they take out fewer taxes uh, throughout the year. Um, but yeah, even still, I, I, I usually get a, a couple thousand back, uh, when we do our taxes. Um, but yeah, I, I've got, I've got some friends that they are very much determined to aim for net zero period. Um, uh, and even if they have to owe a couple of thousand, they would rather do that than let the government sit on their money. That's dumb. I'm just gonna be the cranky dad. That that that's hurting. Okay, so I agree with net zero, well, right? Not so not the, the old email system, but actually, you you putting in money. Well, so there's things you can do. Even if you run into owing a thousand, you can turn around and do things to earn more tax breaks to bring it to net zero. Like my in-laws, a couple of years they've run into where they've owed a couple of thousand afterwards and they will they have gone out of their way to find ways to get additional tax breaks, like sticking money in like an IRA, I think gets you some tax breaks and things like that so that it reduces your taxable income and therefore reduces uh, how much you owe at the end when it comes tax time. So there are some things even. At, after the year is over, when you start working on your taxes that you can do to prevent yourself from owing money to the government. I don't know all those different okay. loopholes, but there are ways. So my, I can get it. And, and uh, Devo is right there with you a little bit. Um, net zero. Uh, Devo popped in the same time I made the joke about it. It's a defunct internet service. Um, Here's the, you said it. The problem is you don't know. You don't know. So mm-hmm. you don't know what money you're leaving on the table. You know, you know, and, and I don't know about every other country, but I know many other countries, like you said, they know exactly what you owe. They send you a bill for it. You take care of it. I don't, I, or it's pulled out exactly throughout the year or whatever. I mean, it's very straightforward, very transparent, easy. Um, it's a massive problem here in the U.S., but at the end of the day, because I don't want to get on the government's radar for any reason that I don't have to, I it's don't want policy. to owe them anything. I'd rather think I'm leaving money on the table and they're stealing it from me because I can go about my day being happy with that thought than to go, I owe them a couple thousand and now I'm going to make payments and now they're, they're they're I'm on their radar because they want their money and they will get their money 100%. You yeah, know, and how many how many years are you supposed to keep your documents for? Isn't it Seven. like five years? Seven? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I mean, I, yeah, way too many low polls, problems, all that stuff. Uh, I just, I get it, especially if you're the kind of person like I absolutely was that that extra six thousand was not necessarily going to go pay for bills. I mean, it would have paid some for sure, 
but you know, I'd have done stupid stuff with it. I mean, so when you get it back, roughly in one lump an extra sum, 500, 500 a month, you could have definitely used that when you think of it. That I didn't way. say I couldn't use it. I just would have used it for dumb <laughs> stuff, not just bills. So I'm not riding my high horse is all I'm saying. But and so I do, do you see, think you would have used it for more dumb stuff if you had gotten it along the way than if you got in, than, than getting it in the one lump sum? So I know this is not daddy. Tell me a story. I'm going to tell you a story anyway. And sure, <laughs> well, my wife, we call it our single years. It's not when we were singles, but before we had kids. So we were, we were just together without kids. Uh, in those years, oh, the honeymoon phase. I mean, we're still kind of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I had a joke and I lost it. So, um, we would do dumb things. We were bad with her money. We weren't managing her money well, and we're making dumb decisions and it was a cycle of, you know, yeah, we got tight. Now we got to be smart. We got to right without true management of the money. And so you just felt tight and repressed. And then you would always explode out of it and do something stupid with money. Then you regret it. It's that guilt cycle, right? So, um, <laughs> random kid, random kid says, uh, honeymoon face, more like moonshine face, right? Charles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're doing this guilt He's got cycle. your number. So you want to ask what dumb stuff I did. We'd go to Walmart at midnight. Back in those days, you'd go to Walmart at midnight and it'd be open. Um, and That was the time. Right. And, and that was the time. Less people there. <laughs> we, we we had our way our work schedules worked. We'd have days where we didn't have to go to work. Mine was 24 on, 48 off. Hers was Monday through Friday. So it, it would always, it could, or she could get off work at 11 on like a Friday. We'd go to Walmart on midnight or something like that, whatever. And so we'd walk in just to kind of go entertain ourselves and, and do something other than watching TV. And Devo, I know I'm out of order. This is my show, man. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the short version is short version is we walked into Walmart and said, okay, let's make a deal. You know, you, you find something up to a hundred dollars and I'll buy something up to a hundred dollars and we'll be even. We did not have 200 plus dollars in our account. We were pulling from a savings or from a, uh, uh, or from bills or from a credit card, but we were in that, that guilt release cycle. And that was what we do to kind of entertain ourselves. So yes, Joe, I think I would have done some really dumb things. I, I definitely got better as we got older and did more with our lives. And now I absolutely try to shoot for uh, zero. Uh, honestly, the government makes it hard. It makes it really hard. I have four kids. I'm only claiming three this year because my oldest is 19 and out of school and all that jazz. And you don't want to claim him anymore. And, and, <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, you've heard some of the stories. You know, you know that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's it's, But it, it is difficult. But what we have done, so I will throw that out there, everybody, coming back to the question. What we have done is, no, when I say it's difficult with, with, we don't even own a house anymore. Um, but we, you know, we have the kids, we have some other write offs. I'm on business, so we do write offs that way. We still get multiple thousands of dollars back every year. And well, we'll see this year. I made a lot of good money this past year, so we'll see. But the, the whole point is, we said, okay, that money has already been quarter finger spent, right? It came out of the paycheck through the year. We didn't have for bills. We made it through the year. So we go ahead and allocate that money in envelopes throughout the year for stuff we want to do. Kids, summer camps. Uh, we do, uh, we patron the arts. So we have memberships at the High Art Museum in Atlanta, uh, Piedmont, uh, not Piedmont Park, um, the gardens, you know, uh, 
the botanical gardens and different stuff like that. Mm. Uh, maybe a vacation. So we take that cat, that free money, right? That cash that was mine to begin with. And we go ahead and say, well, since we're, we're already paying our bills on everything else, we try to then do the extra fun stuff. So there's something there. I mean, the government would just spend it on a grant for some nonsensical <laughs> research study. Like, uh, they they did some. This is not bad dad joke time, by the way. Just, just I feel like I set up is coming. This is. This Are you sure? The, I, I got a few. The the government has spent spent stuff on like hypothetical studies. If like Thanos actually had snapped half the population, what would the impact be on the infrastructure of the United States? Like they've they've spent stuff on dumb studies like that, like that have no bearing on the government. Like why why just why just why. Yeah. <sighs> Roll that dice. Only if you want to. All right, Bobby. Some cars getting consent throughout the whole show. I love it. That's what hey, Lady hey, Daddies do. Hey, Charles, you were wrong, by the way. Bad <sighs> dad jokes. It's your favorite segment. <laughs> and, and we have we have lots of bad dad jokes from the one, the only Devo site. He called them in fun. just for you. All right, should we start with Songheart? Songheart, do you want to yeah. do a bad dad joke first? All right, go. Yeah. What do you call a fake noodle? Ooh. What? An impasta. <laughs> <laughs> you like that way too much. You and Joe are way too so close my to each friend, other. My friend said to me, what rhymes with orange? I said, no, it doesn't. <laughs> That's right. What doesn't rhyme orange? Scotch glass uh, is empty. Scotch glass. Listen, this is- I, I, I got I got a couple more. Whoa! Wait, how many are we gonna do tonight? Devo called in like fifty. You've got a couple more. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. you know, I don't. This one. So if Joe's gonna insist on this topic every time. All Every right, time. the bad dad. So we need Our to get. No, it. we need to get a sponsor. We need this topic to be brought to you by, you know, uh, a bullet bourbon or doer <laughs> scotch. Just so it can be, so I can just be sipping my scotch and be in my mental happy place while y'all be rape me with these horrible, horrible jokes. So it's out there. Please, some bourbon company sponsor this segment because it's killing me. <laughs> Listen, listen, I'm so good at sleeping, I can do it with my eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Charles. I'll I'll do one more and then I'll let Joseph do his. It takes guts to be an organ donor. Oh, my God. (laughs) You should appreciate that one being in the field you're in, Charles. Oh, <laughs> all right. And then uh, these ones are going to come to us from Devo site who says it's just for you, Charles, just for you. <laughs> what did the tree say when it got stuck on a test question? What, I'm Devo? stumped. <laughs> I, I I seriously do not understand y'all's obsession with this page. You, you know, That's Random funny. Kid had a, had a good idea. It, you were talking Scotch about a sponsor level. before. It sounds like new the, patron the new, level, the Scotch level, yeah. Scotch level, patron level. Yeah. Maybe Brought you guys should buy. 
Yeah. <laughs> be like all the funds from that are going towards Charles's scotch. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> Last night I got a hold of my Japanese you know, whiskey again. I was down we, in Macon and went to the nice Asian fusion. Now I won't tell a fun story to cleanse the palate. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, uh, Let's see. Oh, it's another other phone. But the bottle has a several silver samurai, like a full-on samurai head and shoulder pads as the cap to the bottle. Um, and it was nice and smooth. So I'm just saying, all right, Joe, my palate's clean. So what can you do? <laughs> nice and smooth. Just like this from Devo say. What do you get when you cross a snowman with a shark? Frostbite. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, added, he added the laugh in there. Um. That's also a really horrible uh, Mountain Dew flavor, in my opinion. Frostbite. I Gross. didn't even know that was a Mountain Dew flavor. It is. I don't care. Now for I got to go try it. I hate Mountain Dew, <laughs> but I got to try it now. Oh, all right. So we've, we've still got three more to go from Devo site. Kurt, I know you've been working out and I uh, found a book that you might be interested in reading. It's called How to Run a Marathon by Many Miles. <laughs> I wonder if that's something Kurt would be interested in running a marathon. Two, Two more. Two more. Charles, you were saying that Joe is a uh, jinx. But I want to point out that Joe and Jonah sound very similar. Those are to the facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There goes the headphones. One more. <laughs> One more, Charles. <laughs> Just for you. Charles, I'm with you. Uh, would you rather? They're, they're terrible. Uh, I pride myself on being pretty good at pivoting, uh, doing what needs to be done in the circumstance and the situation. Would you rather just the, the constraints are irrational often and doesn't make any sense? So now yeah, I'm going to pass on. Would you rather? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that one wasn't a dad joke. That I just loaded it up. I got What's another dad joke. No, so you don't. Joke. <laughs> Roll that dice. <laughs> Charles is like, Why we're done with this. Jokes? Bad daddy. Because they crack each other up. Am I the butt face? You are, Songheart. You are. <laughs> oh. Uh, this one. Stay tuned for this commercial break. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. You know what? Songheart, you get to pick uh, one through seven. Pick. One through seven. Four. Here we go. Here's the commercial break music. Just chill. Oh, I a good one. <laughs> so look, everybody, you want to get to the Scotch Scotch Kateer level. You want to help me get through these bad dad joke segments, which is very painful. Patreon.com slash wise underscore in underscore nerdy. That'll let you show some support for the show. And uh, let me let me uh, self-medicate while these two and others beat me up with their jokes.
wiseandnerdy.com slash call dad. And look, if you really want to share the love for the show, that would really help us out. We would love to have you come out live Thursday nights, hang out with us, share that love. It is linktr.ee slash wise underscore and underscore nerdy has all of our links there uh, from the Patreon to the Discord to everything else. So come join us, hang out, and share your nerdum like Lady Daddy Song Tree here tonight. So Hi. we've we've got the next segment, Joseph. Roll that dice and let's find out. All righty. Daddy, here tell me a story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I have a story for you guys. Okay, well, let me set it up. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this story is about the time. Did my dad submit this? This is about the time my son pulled a fire alarm at the doctor's office. I'm just curious. So, no, this is yours, huh, Sungart? Yeah, this is mine. Ah, he, so, he, he pulled a Jamal Bowman. <laughs> this happened just a couple months ago. We were at the doctor's office, and it's one of the, it was it's one of those big doctor's offices that also has its own pharmacy. And so I was at the pharmacy. Get we had already gone to his appointment. I was getting his prescription. He has ADHD, so I was getting his meds, and he had, he was doing so good. All of a sudden, the fire alarm goes off. At like I had just gotten up to the counter, and the fire alarm goes off. We all walk outside, and then he turns and and says to me because I figured we would wait in the car because I know that when fire alarms go off, they got to check everything in case it's a real emergency. As we're heading to the car, he says to me, "Mom, I set off the fire alarm." I said, "What?" He's like, yeah, I set off the fire alarm. I didn't know. I thought it'd be funny. I didn't know they'd have to empty the whole building. So we had to stand around and wait. But I did tell um, the like official looking people that were coming out. I was like, my son did it. They're like, did he do this one by the pharmacy? He said, yeah, that's where we were. So it was a lot less time standing outside than it could have been because they didn't have to check every little thing but it was just it was really embarrassing for me and then he felt really bad because he didn't know that everybody would have to come out and seeing everybody having to leave this big doctor's office he's like oh (laughs) (laughs) oh man so i I've told a similar story on this show. Do you remember, Charles? Uh-huh. Where I accidentally called the police on our... Accidentally. <laughs> while I was working at Burger King. Oh. Songhar, you may not know, just as a, a brief little tidbit. Uh-huh. I saw what I thought was a garage door opener underneath the <laughs> the cashier's the, the till. And no uh-huh. one had told me what it was. In hindsight, I definitely should have known. But I was just like, click, click, clickety, click, click, click. And then I just kept taking orders. You know, I was I was fidgeting, as it were, as I do every week on the podcast with the dice that I just keep spinning in my hand. Um, and uh, yeah, the cops came. It was fun time. Fun time. <laughs> yeah, clickety, clickety, click, click was Morse code for help. We're being robbed. He hit the silent alarm <laughs> yeah. button at Burger King. I mean, that's why they even came like Burger King. Let them get robbed. Who cares? I'm, I'm going to have to listen to that song that a uh, Devo site said. There's a song called Bad Ideas Make the Best Memories. I'll it's have true. to give that a listen to. It's true. 
<sighs> what do you do now, Joe? What do you do now? I could tell you about the time that I forgot oranges grew on trees. <laughs> so I was with my ex. This was like 11 years ago. And we were driving to California from Utah. And we drove through Nevada and then through the top of California. And it was really cool. Liked it a lot. And all of a sudden, we're driving along. And I see these little orange ball things on the trees. And I'm just like, what are the orange things on the trees? Because I'm from Utah and we don't have orange trees in Utah. Um, X was from California was used to oranges on the trees, thought maybe I was talking about ribbons or something like that. He's like, well, she can't be talking about the oranges, so what are you talking about? <laughs> we spent an hour going back and forth with me being like, how can you not see the orange things on the trees? And him being like, there are no orange things on the trees. Finally, he <laughs> says to me, because we were getting really mad at each other. Finally, he says to me, do you mean the oranges? And just, <laughs> I just felt so stupid. Let me tell you, it was like, oh, yeah, because <laughs> I'd never seen a real orange tree before. Yeah, his oh. family has never let me live that down. <laughs> I mean, you know, when, you're, when you're digging pecans out of the ground, that's hard work. But orange trees, you know, it's right there. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree with Random Kid over here. Did you see that? I too forget that pineapples don't I grow don't on see. trees. They grow on bushes, right? They, they grow on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I so. learned that from the Sims Castaway Nintendo DS game. Well, there you go. <laughs> the things that we learn from our video games is something yep. else. It is that thing. Oh, I had the volume turned down. I hit a button, but it didn't roll work. that dice. All right. I'm taking your advice, Charles, and I'm rolling two at a time so that uh, I don't have to keep rolling until we get one. All right. Wait, now let's, Let tell, let's tell that story decide. for a second. Yeah, yeah. Daddy will decide in a second. Daddy's deciding to rail on <laughs> his other daddy right now. So <laughs> weeks ago, because it keeps coming up on every show. What we're already knowing. Roll, roll two or three dice, Joe. Come on. And then we're at the live show at Chattacon, and the audience said, let's roll two dice. And that's <laughs> only then, only then did Joe go, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a great thing. Yep. Great thing. <laughs> Stupid. All right. So daddy, let, let daddy decide what I uh, know. How it's do I, is, how do I, how yep. do I, Oh, this worked out perfect. So Songheart, as you see, you talking to us in the Patreon section about how she started her own business and what she's working on with crocheting. And so we want to ask you Songheart, how do I start my own business? And of course, tell us about your business as you do that. Well, first you have to decide what you want to do. Um, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Charles and wants to do everything. You can change so. your mind as many times as you want. And what a lot of people don't know is you can have more than one business at the same time. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. Um, that's something I just learned um, through the process of learning more about how to make my business more profitable. I have a crochet business. Um, currently, I 
make a bunch of stuff. Um, this is a fidget I made. It's a Mobius strip. So it has one side. I just, let me see if I can, yeah. So you just pull on this bit continuously and it never stops. Just pulls and pulls and pulls. Never, ever stops. Because there's no end. Anyway, um, so I like the fidget because it enables me to keep my hands busy while I'm chatting with you guys. <laughs> but I also have made this dragon, um, this little baby lug dragon patterned by Crafty Intentions, made by me. But um, I like it. It's fun. I've made bigger dragons. Um, I'm trying to make a tiny one. Um, it's hard to make the tiny ones because it's harder to see the stitches, but it still works. Um, I've made cloaks, uh, shawls, hats, um, unicorns, pretty much you name it, I could probably make it. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Um, I um, have been working on it for five plus years, but did not have a good living environment at the time. And now that my living environment has become much better, um, I'm getting better relationships, been working on my mental health and that has really caused my business to pick up. But one thing I also found is something I'm doing now that I wasn't doing really before is I'm marketing myself. I'm telling people about my business and what I'm doing and people are like, Oh, can I commission this? And I'm like, yes. So it's important to market yourself. You can start a business without, um, with really with nothing. If you have a phone and can take pictures, that's it. That's really all you need. Um, because then you can take pictures and upload them to whatever social media you're using for it. Um, but the other thing is once you start getting traction and this is what I'm having to deal with now that I'm actually getting a customer base, um, is you got to look into the laws where you live as far as, oh yeah, especially me where I work from home, I have to look into my city's laws as to what kind of business license I need. Is there any special provisions I need because I work from home? for my business. Um, are there any, like, you got to look into how to file your taxes. I have not made enough with my business yet to file taxes. Um, I've made like $200. So that's it. <laughs> and I think if I remember right, you need to make at least 600 with the business to file for it. But then the other thing you got to do, you got to file for the business name, um, that's important so that the business becomes its own entity so that if for whatever reason your business goes under, it gets audited, that it doesn't tie into your personal funds. It's just the business's funds. And yeah, like a LLC, and then you get some separate. Mm -hmm. you know, LLC yep. mean, stands for Limited Liability Corporation, so it mm -hmm. keeps you from losing your house in case something goes wrong with your mm -hmm. business. Yeah. Yes, and not yet, random kid. I haven't yet made enough. Uh, I haven't yet gotten confident enough to sell on Etsy. <laughs> I feel like I need um, more income because of Etsy's fees. 
Um, but Etsy is a great place to sell for handmade anything. Um, whether it's crochet like I do or knitting or wood burning or wood carving or modeling clay, resin, soaps, whatever. If you make it with your hands, you can sell it on Etsy. <laughs> so they are a great resource. Um, let me, I'm trying to think what else. Um, depending on what you're wanting your business to be, maybe look into if there are resources to help your business be better than what you know how to do on your own. For instance, yeah, I yeah. do... I do crochet. I found out last year about um, Pam Grice, who do, who is known as the Crochetpreneur. Um, she's like the head honcho in crochet, and she now um, helps other crocheters make profitable businesses with their crochet. Um, so... That's something worth looking into when you're starting a business is, is there resources on making this work better than what I know how to do? So that, and that's important because something that I found, because like I said, I've been working on it for five plus years and just really now getting traction is you need to actually do it it's work yes i love to crochet it's good for my mental health it makes me happy but in order to have started making any money i needed to market myself mm. and you need to sit down and make a schedule of times when you can sit and work on your business and you need to decide is it your work or is it your hobby so, like, are you planning to make a living from your business or is it a hobby and you're just kind of making side money? If you're planning on making a living from it, then you need to treat it as a job. You need when you are working on your business, in my case, when I am crocheting, I am at work. I can't just be interrupted for whatever, even though I do work at home and I do have two kids, they know when I'm crocheting, that's what I'm doing. Now, granted, I crochet in like half hour, 45 minute increments so that I can be interrupted as needed, but that's what works for me. Um, for whatever business you're working on, you need to find what works for you and how your schedule works for you. I know there's other crocheters who are also moms who find that they crochet most at night after the kids have gone to bed or while the kids are in school. I have a troubled kid, so he's not currently in school. Um, we are working on that, but because of circumstances right now, he's not able to be in school. So I have one that goes to school and one that stays at home. So I've had to figure out my work crochet schedule around that. And it, one thing that working at home and having my own business has enabled me to do is be able to, if I need to interrupt it for whatever, I can. But I have found over the past few months that by treating it as a job, it has started gaining more traction. Good. And so 
that is where the success lies in it. If you want a successful business, you have to treat it as work. Even if you enjoy it, even if you love everything about it, you still have to treat it as work. Find time to market, find time. And as much as people don't want to talk about it, you got to write down your expenses. You got to write down what you're spending on where. One, so you can do it for your taxes, but two, so that you can budget appropriately. And there are so many different ways for artisans like myself to set their prices and hold their funds in that there's no one set way. What I have found, though, is if I take the majority of what I make and use it for me and put back a small portion to the business, that the business stays on top of where I need it to be and I still get play money. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, and I enjoy it. It's not a lot right now. Cause like I said, I don't have a huge customer base. I'm selling one item at a time right now. It's not a big deal to me though, because I am fortunate enough to live at my mother's house and don't have to pay rent. So I have been privileged in that way. But at the same time, if now, I, my experience is mostly with the handmade industry because I crochet. So I can't speak to businesses that do like landscaping or things like that. But in the artistry and handmade industry, um, something that Random Kid did just bring up is handmade items are more expensive. Why are they more expensive? Because they're made by hand and take longer to make than with a machine. Something that non-crocheters do not know. If the item was crocheted, it was handmade. There is no such thing as a crochet machine. They have not made the machine that can completely do everything that crochet does. So if you see a crocheted item, it was handmade. If it was at Walmart that you saw this item, it was still handmade. Just the artisan was severely ripped off in how much they were paid. Um, Probably made because, in China. Yep, because <laughs> crochet is one. Oh, did we lose her? She crocheted her button. button. She, she <laughs> crocheted her mouth shut. I don't know what happened. It's a horrible crocheting accident. Never yeah. before seen on the internet. <laughs> but yeah, crochet is really what I know. So it's what I talk about the most. But for instance, could you make a dragon like this with a machine? Of course. Would it look exactly like this? Absolutely not, because this was crocheted. And the posing and and stitching on this can only be achieved by hand. And so as such, yes, this item is small at Walmart, maybe $10. I wouldn't sell this for less than 20 because of the work that went into it. And 20 is kind of cheap, in my opinion. I would purse, but... That's me. I'm selling this one a little bit cheap. This is more like 
if I was selling this for what it was actually worth, this is more like 30 to $35 just because of the work and detail that went into it. So, so how long did that take you to make? Cause now I'm curious. Two and a half hours, but it was my first time making it. Yeah. Okay. So, so if I made a lot of these and got really familiar with the pattern, much less time, but I'd still charge 30 to $35. Yeah, definitely. So, just because of the detail that goes into it. I have bigger ones. Let's see, this one's this big. So I have bigger ones, bigger ones that I would charge upwards of $100 of because, again, time and labor of how much. So it is a little bit on the cheaper side, random kid. I do tend to undersell myself. I try not to. I am still working on it. Ooh, that's a that's a question for another show. How do I value myself appropriately? Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. Basically, if you think it's too expensive, it's too cheap. So (laughs) I'm not kidding. I know it sounds funny and it's hilarious, but if you have a handmade item and you're thinking maybe thirty bucks, you should probably be selling it for forty to sixty. So, but that's because you want to get paid for your work. People that make things with their hands are artists and they deserve to be paid for their work. Whether it's a painting, crochet, knitting, clay, resin, soap, whatever, it's work and it's a skill. Um, For instance, I tried learning how to make soap. Because I got into soap making as a hobby because I also have ADHD and that looked like fun. It's not as easy as it looks. Um, There's a certain process where you're mixing all the ingredients together. And if you mix them too long, the soap is too hard. If you mix it too um, not long enough then the soap takes forever to dry. Uh, There's a process in making soap that everybody's like, oh, you just mix the ingredients together and it works. No, (laughs) it's so much more complicated. And that's just soap. So imagine all the other things that go into all these handmade items that people that don't make things don't even realize. So, sorry, I get kind of passionate. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I I like it. Um, (laughs) So you you do this one at a time. You do this by hand, and it is a job, and it's picking up traction. But how do you scale it, or how do you make it a boutique where you're not selling 50 at a time, you're selling each individual thing and even doing, I guess the the goal would even be to be commissioned to do everything that you do. Mm I do commissions partly because I feel like me personally, I don't crochet fast enough to have a bunch of items to sell as a vendor at like cons or other events. Um, I know there are a lot of crocheters that will go to cons or festivals in order to make their money. And they'll go to like three or four a year because they're fast crocheters. I'm not quite that fast. That's one of the reasons I have started picking up commissions um, because I did want to be a vendor, but I just, I'm not that fast. 
I'm faster with hand with like garments, like shawls, hats, cloaks, and things. But I can only make so many of those before I get bored, and then I move on to my dragons and things, and they take longer because they're more detailed. Um, so as far as marketing and it really depends on your make style. So I know there are some people that depend solely on commissions and they do really well. They've done well for years. That's what they do. And then there's other people that they don't do commissions. They make a whole bunch of a set amount of item and that's what they sell until they need more. They work on their Christmas lineup in the spring and their spring lineup during Christmas. And Interesting. Mm -hmm. Because if you work on Christmas during Christmas, you don't have anything to sell. Right. So, (laughs) so they, they'll work on different holidays at different times of the year. And then they have a revolving rotation of items, which is a great idea. I have tried to do that. My brain doesn't like that. My brain says, I want to make this thing. So that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you know and then there's that that almost makes it artistry because you're making it because you want to make it and then somebody mm-hmm. falls in love with it they can buy it Maybe yep so you do commissions i think is what you're saying yeah mm-hmm. so yep, I um, do commissions. can I you do crochet some. that can you crochet our, our logo? <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not good. I, um, I would have to put it into a graph and learn how to do graph crochet which i looked into want to do feel very intimidated by <laughs> so while i could do it it would take a while but i could do that <laughs> that's a, that, so for the podcast listeners i put up our logo in big form <laughs> uh with joe and i as our animated characters so well and if any of our listeners wanted to reach out to you to commission something how can they do that good question um, i have a p- facebook page let me make sure of what the name is it's caught and strings and things. I'm going to put it in the chat. Hang on. Oh, I can't put it in the chat. I will put it in the private it, chat. Yeah, we'll put it in the chat. Put yep. it in the chat. There you go. So caught like catching a fish. So we'll All right. share that for sure. Um, the name may change at some point. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Caught in strings, caught in and, strings things. and things. Yep. All right. It's like a double play on cotton being yarn, but also like being caught in strings because I crochet. I like it. I like it. It sounds like you nerd out somewhat about I do. Uh, I do nerd yeah. out quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a section just for that. Cho, I believe it's time for you to hit that button. Okay. What are you nerding out about now? Look, don't hit his button if he can't even be bothered to show up. You know, I was what saying. are you nerding out about? Yeah, they didn't come to Chattacon. Let's try again. What are you? Oh my God! Out you only have the two. Now. All right, it's Stop. random. It, it is. It is uh, <laughs> as random as bad dad jokes. There. So, Joe, you were excited. You jumped in early. What are you nerding out about this week? Uh, so I have dipped my toes into video editing and what I'm doing is, is super simple. It's not anything crazy yet. Um, but I am starting to learn as I go. 
Um, but I've started chopping up our wise and nerdy episodes into the different segments and posting them on a new channel that we've created called WNN Clips, Wise and Nerdy Clips. Um, and yeah, so I've been chopping those up and uh, been releasing a video a day on there. And uh, so far, so good. I think we've already got three subscribers, even though I only started this last week. So we're cruising. <laughs> I'm one of those subscribers. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we made a whole different channel is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, Not like a sub channel. It is. It is technically a sub channel. It's still connected to our email address for wise and nerdy. That's a weird looking C on our artwork. uh, It's it. It it is the font that you chose. So (laughs) I told you don't listen to me. Every other. So here's the thing, though. I hate when fonts do this, right? Every other letter there, like if you looked at the, the background wall that says Wise and Nerdy behind Song Heart, you can see. Then on this one, every letter looks great. C is like, what is that? What is that? Is that a raindrop? Raindrop lips? I don't understand. But all right. So let's talk about that process. What is what is making you so happy about this? Uh, it, it's a skill that I've wanted to have for a long time. Um, like I tried it a tiny bit with, um, when I was doing my Pokemon Emerald playthrough that was just for the patrons, I did a tiny bit of video editing in that, but, um, but not hardly at all, but it's a skill that I've wanted to have for a while. And so it's just, I don't know when you, when you start learning a new skill that you've wanted to learn, it's, it's fun. And so it's, it's been fun playing with it. I'm using a free software, uh, called clip champ. Um, it's not very robust and it has a bunch of premium features that I don't, I'm not going to pay for, but, um, the free, the free version of it does what I need it to do. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I clip stuff up. I, I add text to it. Um, I'm going to keep playing around with that, the, the different features and see what else I can, I can have fun with, uh, and so there may be a time when you're like, Joe, that's too much. Dial it back. But I'm just going to have fun with it. Have fun with it, man. <laughs> I, I don't know that we can get to too much. Um, I know we're looking at uh, an app called Opus Clips that'll help us with uh, the social media stuff. I'm looking through here right now, um, and it's, it had uh, there it is. It has time frames on it, so anything under ten minutes can go on TikTok. And I see you did a bad dad joke. That's two minutes and. And those kind of things. Uh, so we can definitely start taking your clips and posting them on. I'll help post them on, on TikTok there. And uh, I love it. You know, so, yeah, if you want to just catch the little bits of the show, go over to YouTube.com slash at WNN Clips and, uh, or you know, Drop Lips, whatever you want to call it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll, ba- we'll bounce back and forth. I am learning out about uh, the new trailer I saw today. It's for a brand new version of Roadhouse. And oh, you're a big fan of the original Roadhouse. I am, but I'm a big fan of the principles it taught. You know, be nice until it's time to not be nice. Uh, when is it time to not be nice? You know, I'll let you know is how that goes. And the whole idea of cleaning things hmm. up, passive, uh, passive. Uh, um, it's like judo. What is it called? Like, it's not passive aggressivity. It's like, you know, you don't have to fight. You keep guiding people around until you get what you needed. 
Um, Chris Betcher says that was a great movie. I agree. Uh, uh, Roadhouse was a fantastic movie. The new one, I think, it's got me a little bit excited because it changed everything except the principles of it. <laughs> okay. Right. The principle of it still is, is there's a fighter who, uh, well, in this case, he, he's a, like a UFC MMA fighter. Right. And I think it's Jake Gyllenhaal. That's who's playing the role. And, uh, but his whole thing is still kind of that vibe of, man, I'm not here to fight. And you're know, doing the silly things like just dodging punches from people. And, but his life's kind of a wreck a little bit. And this person tries to hire him. She has a roadhouse. It's got the wrong clientele. They're tearing things up. She, he needs them to come in. The same basic principle needs them to come in and, and help. And is that the one that Peter Griffin references in that one episode where he's like roadhouse. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, Joe, you're Peter Griffin in real life. So, you know, um, but not, but yeah, random kid, random kid says, uh, well, I hope this good. I'm tired of all the remakes. I wish Hollywood would try to make something new and original. Now I will say yes, all of that. Uh, but also the niche audience who will never know roadhouse, the original will probably watch this movie and enjoy it. So that's, that's fair. It's been 30 years, man. I mean, things get redone every 30, but I, I like how I like that. They, they didn't try to touch on anything like there was no clear other than it's a roadhouse and he's a kind of a washed up guy who can fight but also but that heart was there the heart of you know passive resistance and and but he can also fight and this and another it looks promising is what i'll say and i am i'm a huge fan of roadhouse so it's treading some dangerous waters but i do like that it didn't really even try to get close other than Again, what I said. So, what else, Joe? What else you got nerding out here? Uh, I don't have anything else, but I know I've been nerding that... out about Final Fantasy. Oh, I'm going to interrupt you, Joe. You. Sorry. <laughs> I, th- I think Charles for thought the win. that was me. I yeah, I know me. it's an older game, um, but I've just recently started gaming again. And my friend introduced me to it, and I've really been enjoying it a lot. What I like about it is it's free up to level 70, and so you get a lot of playtime in. That's a I lot really of like play. it. What's the max level? I have no idea, but I only know that after level 70, you have to pay for it. <laughs> Interesting. But I've been playing it for about two weeks. And I'm only, I've made two characters and I'm only at level 20 on each of them. So there's a lot of play. It's really fun. I've never played uh, MMORPG before. So it's like my first experience with that. Have you played Final Fantasy before? I did. I played one of the Final Fantasy advanced games. I think it was six. Jason says uh, Final Fantasy 14, level 90 max. So level 70 is really close to max. Yeah. Uh, Random Kid says uh, Final Fantasy 14 is a ton of fun. Um, I never got into that one um, at all uh, just because of the online aspect of it. I really like the Final Fantasies where it was just me playing the game and doing that kind of thing. Uh, uh, that I was mostly played by myself, but it's still enjoyable. Do you ever get bored playing by yourself? Like, do you play no. music or watch some TV? Or you just, I just like. Oh, no, I just, 
I get totally absorbed in whatever games I'm playing. That's like I'm like totally absorbed until my fingers start hurting. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a game. <laughs> so that's my ADHD hyper focus kicking in. <laughs> like, oh, I got to do this. So I try to only play Final Fantasy in the morning before my kids wake up. So I'll play for maybe half hour, 45 minutes till they wake up because once they're awake, I can't be as fully immersed into it as I like to be because I have to listen to see if they're fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it gets too quiet, it's not because they're having fun. Yeah. You know, I get that. I get that. Uh, Joe, have you ever played Final Fantasy? Final Fantasy? Yes. Final Fantasy 14? No. Uh, lately, I've been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts, and I mentioned that because for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Square Enix is one of the partners for Kingdom Hearts. Square Enix makes Final Fantasy and a lot of the Final Fantasy characters specifically from seven, eight and nine appear in the Final Fantasy or in the Kingdom Hearts games. I don't know if more than that. I've only played uh, like four of the Kingdom Hearts games. I'm working my way through them now. Um, my son got them for Christmas. So. But Yeah. My big problem with the Kingdom Hearts games is uh, the lag because it's a cloud version. And so you stream the game off of Nintendo's cloud. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I did today. I, I bought an adapter for my switch dock so that I can directly hook up my switch to my router. But uh, we'll see if that alleviates any of the lag issues. Um or if it was never my internet to begin with, and it was always on Nintendo's end, we'll see. So, but yeah. I, as much I've heard I, good things about Kingdom Hearts, but I've never played it. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts is a lot of fun. It's it's Disney. Well, it's it's primarily Disney, but there is some Final Fantasy influence in it as well. Cool. I like Kingdom Hearts a lot. Uh, and I, I, although I'd never played the newest one, um, I will say <sighs> with Switch, I love the Switch a lot, but there's just some things just don't, just don't do it, you know. Um, something heavy duty like like the Final Fantasy games, or like my, we were at a thrift shop uh, uh, in North Carolina this weekend. And they had a lot of Switch games, and they had the Borderlands games. It's like, oh, hey, Borderlands, because she knows a lot of Borderlands. Like, yeah, no, they run and look like crap on the Switch because Switch wasn't built for that. It was built for stuff like, well, I mean, I think Kingdom Hearts would probably do great on the Switch, but uh, you know, the Breath of the Wild and some other things. It, there's a very yeah, specific styles that you need to do on it. You got to remember uh, most of the Kingdom Hearts games, and I don't know uh, some of the later ones, but at least the originals. That was playstation 2 and game boy games and so like if if the switch couldn't handle that that would be real pathetic game True. boy was so good though Ooh. i never played it on a game boy but i miss my game boy. <laughs> uh oh i like Final Fantasy. controversial I, opinion i i don't see it's controversial i like final fantasy 8 more than 7 but that's because 8 was my first it was the first one that i played and beat in the final fantasy series so that's why i like it more um, yeah, I liked eight quite a bit. So I yeah. liked seven. I did. I just liked eight more. 
Oh, you know why, I, why everybody's scared of that? Because 789. Oh, I heard the setup coming. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> Song Heart. But, what, but why did 789? Song Heart, do you like... Because 789 yeah, needed three square <laughs> meals a day. <laughs> Just no... Just no. <laughs> you guys like casinos. Yeah, who doesn't like a casino? I've been in a casino on a boat. That was so fun. Sorry, I've never that- actually been in a casino, but whenever we have employee appreciation days, they hire the I mean it's it's not real money, but they hire casino people to come and set up and we can play poker and stuff, but it's again, it's not real money. There's a casino on a boat. On a river in Missouri. It's so mm-hmm. fun. I don't remember where. I just remember it was in Missouri and it was <laughs> in a, on a boat. It was so much fun. <laughs> it, it definitely can be. Uh, my wife and I love casinos. I've taken her to Vegas once. We go to Biloxi is about six, seven hours from our house. Uh, that's on the Mississippi uh, coast. Uh, and since Katrina and then shortly after that, COVID, it's not quite the same there. Uh, Harris, Cherokee, Harris, uh, North Carolina is four hours from us, but they really think their rooms are why people come there and not to gamble. So it's very hard to go there because their rooms are insanely expensive. Uh, but this weekend we, uh, we're picking up our anniversary, uh, trip and I like just going new places and let's go to a town. Let's, let's find some stuff nearby. And so I picked out Greensboro, North Carolina, cause we could drive over to Virginia. We could, uh, you, we could drive to different things and do different things. And we just crossed the border in Virginia was something I wanted to do. And so she started looking just for food or whatever. And the first thing that came up was uh, Caesar's Casino. Because apparently the state of Virginia in the last year passed uh, gambling laws. So five or six major casinos are building in all the different areas in Virginia. And uh, the Caesar's Palace is building a really big casino. But in the meantime... When I say tent, think like circus level tent. I mean, this thing was a massive tent. tent. Uh, It it was a really big place. And my wife was worried even then that it'd be too crowded and full. It was not. Uh, I mean, it was doing just fine. But it had every amenity, basically, that a regular casino has, except good food. It was an overpriced food court. Uh, And smoke ventilation. Like, they'll let you smoke in there. Um, and most casinos have really good ventilation. So unless you're sitting right next to somebody, it doesn't bother you, but it, it was definitely not there, but we, we had so much fun and we played a lot of games and man, I was on a roll. There's at least three or four times. I, I won $300 and, uh, but we kept playing. So we, we walked in with like 450, walked out with 150. So after <laughs> like six hours of play, you know, but we're slot machine people. Love, love uh, a couple of different ones of them. There's a, I forget what we call it, what it's called. There's a fish game where you feed the fish as it, you know, as the slots spin, you get the fish. And as they get bigger, it's all psychological. It has nothing to do with, oh, they get so big, it'll break the bowl. Cause it breaks the bowl, it goes into a bonus game. And, uh, but you, the fish can trigger at any size. So when they get really big, they like overfill the bowl and it cracks and their eyeball just keeps moving, but they can't. It's very humorous, but my favorite is um, Little Shop of Horrors because it's a two-level game, 
every yeah you just randomly get these wilds that are videos from the movie um it's all the characters that line up to give you the jackpots and whatnot and you feed audrey too right that's the whole thing the wilds feed audrey and it grows but what i love most is the dumbest thing it's the dumbest thing what i love the most about it it's not just that he talks to you and it and he every time he grows he might trigger the bonus but i mean the his vines can fill the whole screen but while you're spinning and stuff, you can touch him and he'll do kissy faces with hearts coming out. He'll like get bored with you. He'll tell you he'll make it worth your while, which is very creepy. But he, he says he laughs. He laughs a lot. And it's just so much fun. Like you're spinning and you, you just hit him and make him do stuff. And that's the one that I, I hit quite a bit on there. But we had a lot of fun. We had a ton of fun. And that's just my wife's way. Is she she's looking at an area and for I had looked in the area for a bunch of stuff. No casinos ever popped up, but uh, can you call me Seymour? Yeah, uh, but uh, the first thing she Googled, the casino came up. So that was, it was a lot of fun, and it's about five and a half hours from her house, so actually a little bit closer than uh, Biloxi, and when they build out the hotel and casino, which is supposed to be April this year, but it didn't look like it was going to be April this year, um, we're probably going to go back uh, later on, but it's a really, it's a really cool trip and a lot of fun. And uh, I got to tell you when you can save up your money, you know, sell all the crochet dinosaurs you can sell and, and there's dragons. <laughs> all right. That's it. I turn this car right around song heart. That's the last time you will look, talk back look, to me. Look, do you know any four-legged dinos with wings like this? This is obviously... I tray you. <laughs> Follow these nerds. Find Songheart. Where? 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 Hurry. Uh, you can find me at Caught Strings and Things. I'm known everywhere now on the internet as Songheart. Um, I'm also at Songheart Games on YouTube. That's me streaming Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games, currently playing Mickey's Racing Adventure, starting to get bored, so we'll be changing to probably Animorphs next. And now I'm back to being mad. <laughs> Follow these nerdy dads on social media. Charles at Rock God of Podcasting. Joe at Joseph underscore Ard. Check out the website, wiseandnerdy.com. And as always, they may not be your father, but they'll always be your daddy. And lady daddies included. And hey, you like this? Bring a friend next week. <laughs>